as we switch it back to our slides for this morning, I, I, I just, I love to know what Christmas movies people like. Uh, I should have done the second one, which one's your least favorite, but <laughs> I didn't want to start any fights today. Um, so for me, one of my favorite uh, Christmas stories of all time is the Christmas Carol. Right? You guys know the plot of the Christmas Carol. You have Ebenezer Scrooge, who's visited by the ghost, uh, first by the ghost of his former partner, Jacob Marley, uh, who tells him he's going to be visited by three spirits to show him uh, Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. Right? So my favorite interpretation of this, and we'll see if we can get this up there in a second, but my favorite interpretation of this is a Muppet Christmas Carol. Who's seen it? Are you kidding me? Go do yourself a favor. I think it's on Disney Plus, or you could probably find it somewhere. Muppet Christmas Carol. Everybody's a Muppet except for, uh, what's his name, Michael Caine, who plays Ebenezer Scrooge. And it's hilarious because you remember the Muppet show, the, the old guys who just heckled from the balcony? Well, they play Marley and Marley, and it's the greatest song in Christmas history. Anybody know it? Marley and Marley. Ooh. Anyway, it's so good. It's so good. Um, check out A Muppet Christmas Carol. But this morning, the reason I bring all this up and talk about movies is I am going to talk today about peace at Christmas through the lens of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. Okay? And so we're going to start with Christmas past here today. Um, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, which is the, one of the most famous tellings of the Christmas story in the Bible. And we're going to start by looking at Christmas past and work our way through present and future this morning. This is Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Okay, three verses, kind of a technical thing here. But this is where we start in Christmas past, okay? Christmas past before Christmas present. I'm calling Christmas present Jesus' incarnation, the actual birth. That's Christmas present. This is Christmas past. Why this is a part of the Christmas story? Well, because the ghost of Christmas past here is in the mention of Caesar Augustus. At this point, he had been ruling for 20-plus years over the Roman Empire, and he ushered in what was considered to be the golden era of the Roman Empire. And if you look at what this, they called this, they called this the Pax Romana. Have you heard that term before, Pax Romana? It's this idea that Caesar brought peace on earth, Pax Romana. He brought peace to the Roman world. And so they're out there talking about this, Right? The Romans are bragging about the peace that they have brought to the world. But if you look at the big picture of what's going on, he's representing to the people of Israel. Caesar Augustus is a representative of the people of Israel that they are a conquered people. Starting with uh, the, the Assyrians, the, the Israelites had been conquered, their land taken, they'd been exiled. And then the Babylonians came in and they ruled, and then the Persians came in and they ruled, and then the Greeks and then the Romans. Every world power of the day of that region came and took control of the land that God once gave to the people of Israel. And, and they, they were uh, a part of this Roman Empire, but they weren't really a part of it. They were a conquered people. And so when they hear Pax Romana, the people of Israel don't think we have peace, right? Every day in the land that they're living in, is a constant reminder that there is no peace. 
They, everywhere they go, there's a Roman soldier standing there keeping the peace. And, you know, later in the Gospel of Luke, they come to bring Jesus news that people were murdered in a temple in Israel because they were seen as a threat to the Roman Empire. That's not peace. It's no peace at all. The Pax Romana was phony. Even worse, it's kind of silly that they would lie to themselves and say, look, we have peace on earth. We have Pax Romana. Look at this map. It's in there somewhere. There it is. I almost went into the I'm the map song from Dora. Um, if you look at this, it's hard to read the fine print. But the yellow is the Roman Empire when Caesar Augustus took power. Everything that's green, whether it's light green or dark green, is everything that was conquered during this Pax Romana. This is the land that they took over in these, these golden years that were called, told to be the years of peace. There's no peace at all. It's violence spreading throughout this portion of the globe. Christmas past is a reminder that this is a broken world, that we are under the rule sometimes of darkness and evil, and it seems to be spreading everywhere we look. The people of Israel in Christmas past would have just been distraught knowing that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. The peace that we long to have just doesn't seem to be coming. That's Christmas past. It's depressing. It's sad. But let's take a look at Christmas present. And this is the next verses. Christmas present, meaning the present, the very first Christmas when Jesus came. This is starting back up in verse 4 of Luke 2. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and, he was expect, uh, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. That's what we just sang. In excelsis Deo. That's glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. I thought Augustus already brought peace, right? Why do they need to come announcing peace? We have the Pax Romana, right? This is the whole point of the incarnation. The whole point of the incarnation is that we define peace very differently than God does. See, for, for them, it was peace was the, the lack of conflict in this era, right? We're not at war, even though they were really at war, but they're lying to themselves. We're not at war. That's not peace. Simply not being at war, not being in conflict doesn't equal peace. Peace is not just a, a force of the absence of something. It's the source of something. 
what, what, what's being announced here. Look again at verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. What they're saying is God is making the first move toward peace. God is coming in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. He's coming in the flesh to be with us, to make peace with us. The whole world has rebelled and the, the whole thing is upside down and the reason there's conflict and violence is because within us, there's conflict and violence. We, we're a broken people. The world is torn apart by sin and God didn't just say, I'm done. Instead, he said, I'm gonna draw nearer. I'm gonna come in the flesh. I'm going to bring peace. It's the whole point of Christmas. God initiates peace, and, and, and he makes peace with us through the life, the death, the resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. But furthermore, he invites us to become peacemakers. That's the beauty of this. It doesn't just stop there. We don't just stop with having peace with God because of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. No, we're actually invited to participate in the peacemaking. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. To be a child of God is to be one who makes peace. And so real peace, let's talk about real peace. It doesn't just mean a lack of conflict. It means right relationships. Things being made whole again. Healing. Things being set right. And we, we can't settle for fake peace. Between us and God, to have peace with God, what do we need? A recognition that we need God, right, first. And then repentance. We can't have peace with God unless we repent, unless we say, I know I've, I've run away from you, Lord. I believe in the forgiveness of sins that you offer. Please bring me your peace, the peace of knowing that I'm loved by you. We don't have peace with God without repentance, and we can't have peace on earth without accountability and repentance as well. I want to just take a, a, a different look real quick at the, the, the way that people at Christmas present would have been processing this idea of peace. The Bible talks a lot about certain groups, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but there are other factions of, of people trying to faithfully live out their Jewish faith in this place and time. The Pharisees were kind of the, you could say the... Um, the evangelicals of their day, because they highly prized truth. They wanted to make sure they had their ducks in a row theologically. The problem is they knew if this Messiah keeps talking and stirring things up and telling people that the kingdom of God has come through, it's going to cause trouble for us. We don't want to shake the boat. Right now we have peace, which means the Romans aren't currently killing us, so please stop stirring things up. And so they, they see Jesus, and they don't see a peacemaker. They see somebody who they're terrified of. Because what's going to happen when the Romans get wind of what he's talking about? The Sadducees were closely aligned with the Roman Empire and King Herod of this time. They, they thrived under this system and became quite wealthy. And they were very separate from the rest of the people. And so these Sadducees see Jesus coming in and talking about justice and mercy talking about God's grace for everyone, talking about how equality matters, these types of things that Jesus came to preach. And like, whoa, 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 don't, I got a good thing going here. My pockets are full. Don't mess with this. And so they don't like him either. He's a threat. 
Then there's a group called the Zealots. The Zealots, you can figure, (laughs) it's a pretty accurate name for them. They had great zeal for the Lord, but that zeal often looked like a sword. These Romans have come here, and they've taken what was given to us by God, and the only way for us to have true peace is through violence. That was the vision that they had. And they hear Jesus coming along, talking about sacrificial love and refusing to become that military leader that they were hoping him to be, and they're like, well, this guy isn't going to do it. We're going to have to find another way. So they turn their backs on him. And then there's a group called the Essenes. Their version of peace was to literally say, peace out. We're going to go live in the wilderness. We're going to get away from all of this. And we're just going to try to live our lives and act like nothing else is going on. We're just going to put ourselves in a bubble and we're going to hide. And so they were able to fake peace, but they didn't have real peace. They were just imaginary. They separated themselves. All of this is going on in this, this, this time of Jesus' incarnation, this Christmas present, when he was here on earth with us. All of these different groups have an idea of what peace is, and they all miss the mark. And that's not to mention how badly the Romans got it, right? They didn't understand peace either. God has a different definition of peace than we do. And he has the power to bring peace that we don't have on our own. And so to figure out where we find that, let's look to the ghost of Christmas future. Christmas future, I'm going to fast forward in the story of Jesus' incarnation to John chapter 14. And there's a a um, four-chapter story about Jesus' last time with his friends, where he's teaching them. And it's just so many beautiful words. And, And this is from John 14 while he was still with them. But he says this about peace. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I love that he echoes what the angels said at that first Christmas, don't be afraid, which is, you know, kind of tough not to be afraid sometimes, right? But he's giving us assurance here. Assurance of what? Assurance of the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's presence. The ghost of Christmas future is the Holy Ghost. It's by his power that we can receive the peace of Christ. Peace doesn't look like the vision of the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Zealots or the Essenes. Some of them sought to ignore reality. Others accepted a phony peace. Others escaped. Others just said, hey, we got to take matters into our own hands. You know, we often hear about this idea of world peace, and in all honesty, it seems impossible until Jesus returns that that's ever going to be a thing because we've never known it in our history as humans. So what is Jesus talking about here if he's not talking about that? He's talking about the peace that comes from knowing him from knowing that Jesus longs to be with us so much that he would do what he did at Christmas, to come to to a peasant family, to be born amongst a stable of animals, to come and live the life of a a peasant in a, a conquered people, to come knowing that his final destination here was going to be a cross. The peace that Jesus gives us is knowing that God loves us that much that he would do all of that. And then he gives us his presence, the Holy Spirit, 
And it's a, it's a peace that exists even when we are in turmoil, just as those first people we read about were. The world is falling apart around them, and Jesus says, you can still have my peace. This is a, a great um, insight into this. Beth Moore uh, once preached about this passage from John 14, and, and she said this. What he's helping us to see is one is the lesser and one is the greater. He's talking about the type of peace. There's a type of the peace that the world offers and there's a type of peace that Jesus offers. One is temporal and flawed and the other surpasses all understanding. You have never and I have never really known the peace of Christ until we have known it when everything is in uproar. How will we ever know this peace if we don't know it in the middle of the biggest mess of chaos in our lives? What's that? You keep looking for peace? You keep swallowing this, chugging that for peace? You keep manipulating this for peace? Screaming over and over, bring peace, bring peace? But it's into that Jesus says, my peace, I'll give it to you. And I do not give as the world gives. And it doesn't look like the world's peace. Jesus says, it's mine. Nobody can give it to you but me. And until I move you back where you can see the difference between you having all the things that you think would bring you physical peace and what, what would bring you my peace, you will never know the difference. Sometimes he disturbs our worldly peace so that he can give us his peace. Do you have that peace? Do you experience that peace? One of the things that's hard about identifying this peace is it's really hard to put words to it other than in the worst time of my life, I know he was there with me. In the biggest struggle I ever went through, with the biggest question marks I ever went through, I was sure he was with me. Whispering to me, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Have you ever known that peace? Do you need that kind of peace right now? I love how Beth Moore talks about how the ways we try to manipulate our lives to have a sense of peace. It never lasts and it never fulfills. Only the peace of Christ does. Even when it hurts. Even when it's difficult. So in, in Christmas present, let's rewind a little bit. In Christmas present, there are obvious enemies to this peace of Jesus. Jesus comes preaching this good news that I bring true peace to the world. And Herod says, hey man, there can be only one king of the Jews and it's not going to be you. So Herod conspires against Jesus. He's this king over Israel, but he's a puppet king installed by the Romans essentially so that they can keep control over everything. And he sees Jesus as a threat. Don't come for my crown. Then there's the religious leaders. I already mentioned them. But they see this guy, he's changing things. He's shaking things up. Things aren't good, but they could be worse. So let's, we can't have any of that. The Romans. If this guy's the king of the Jews, then he might revolt against us, and we might have to get some blood on our hands. There's only one real king, and it's Caesar, not this guy. For all of them, peace upsets the status quo. And the status quo actually masquerades as peace, right? Have you ever noticed that in your life? Just keeping things the way they are just feels like peace because it's comfort. That old phrase, the, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know, right? Sometimes change is so scary, even though God might have something greater for us, but we would rather just keep the status quo. 
And that's so much of what was going on at the time. They're like, no, 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 don't come here and change things. They didn't know what they were missing. They didn't know the peace that they could have. Jesus even weeps over Jerusalem and he says, if only you knew the thing that would bring you peace. In Christmas future, which is today, this week, next week, next month, Christmas future, there are enemies of peace here and now. You've heard me say this before probably, but news and social media, they don't want peace. They don't want peace because peace doesn't sell. Nobody tunes into the news because, well, everything was pretty good today. See you tomorrow. Nobody tunes in for that. They tune in for the doom scrolling on the social media apps and the fear that keeps us addicted and coming back for more. Politicians, they don't want peace. Our partisan politics is just a reminder that the, the, the only platform that seems to, to move the needle at all is just blame that guy. He's the worst. Vote for me because he's, he, he's worse than me. Like that's, that's the way our politics works. It's not based on peace. It's not based on finding common ground. It's based on enemy making, right? Even just think about the way consumerism, marketing works. Companies don't want you to have peace. If you have contentment, then you won't feel that need to go out and buy all the stuff that you think is going to make you happy. So marketing is about creating a false need in your life. If you have this, it'll bring real joy, peace to your life. It's not true. It's just a never-ending you know, <laughs> attempt to fill this, this emptiness or this fear we have with stuff. There's enemies to peace all around us, and, and on and on we could go about the things that are threatening to, to take our peace from us, the peace that comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. But I want to do this. I want to look at Simeon here. Simeon is uh, an important figure in Luke chapter 2. This is a guy who had basically you know, waited and waited and waited to see the Lord's Messiah, the, the, the Lord himself come. And he sees Jesus at the temple, and this is, these are his words in Luke chapter 2. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon is saying, God, I've seen everything I need to say. You, you delivered on your promise. You've brought us the Messiah. I'm good. I've seen everything I need. For Simeon, he knows that he's encountered Jesus, the one that's been promised, and because of that, he's got everything he needs. Peace looks like contentment in knowing Christ. This goes back to our soul care series that we talked about Thanksgiving, that when we begin with gratitude, we can see that all is not lost. We don't have to lie to ourselves or ignore the areas of our life where we don't have peace. But, but we can say to ourselves, if I have Jesus and nothing else, I still have everything that I need. So what does Christmas future this week, this Christmas, look like? Well, it looks like three things I want to suggest that we practice this, this Christmas season. The first one is just that, gratitude. Gratitude, contentment. It's a great way to look for peace this Christmas, seeking contentment, starting from a place of gratitude, because even if we're empty-handed in one area of life, we've always got Jesus. Actually, a more accurate way to put that is Jesus always has us. He's always got his arms wrapped around us. 
Even amidst that gratitude, we join with these people who were waiting. We join with Simeon who waited his whole life to see God deliver. And amidst our gratitude for the peace that we have now, we still await a greater peace in the future. The peace that comes with resurrection. God has promised that he will raise us from the dead and we will be in his presence in a new heaven and new earth. So we balance this gratitude and this waiting at the same time, just like Simeon would have. But I also want to say there's some peacemaking that we get invited into. The first one I want to call is reactive peacemaking. Reactive peacemaking. Is there anyone in your life that you need to make peace with? Is there someone that you hurt, but you, you haven't been able to, to repent? And repentance looks like this. You own up and you ask for forgiveness. You take responsibility. And then you commit to being different. I want to work to make sure I never hurt you in that way again. And I don't assume you'll you'll forgive me and I won't weaponize the Bible to try to manipulate you into forgiving me. I wait patiently and humbly while you work through your ability to forgive. Is there anybody that you need to do that with, to ask for forgiveness, to repent? Don't let Christmas Day come and go without taking a step toward that. Is there someone that you're holding a grudge against? Someone who's demonstrated this kind of repentance but you still don't want to forgive? You want to hold on to it. I want to say, make peace. Set yourself and the other person free by forgiving. And I've said this before, but you know, I'm always careful that this doesn't mean easy reconciliation. It doesn't mean like, well, that's over with. We can go back to the way that things were. No, sometimes reconciliation and healing, true lasting peace takes time because when trust is broken, it's not easily earned back. And sometimes it's not even possible to rebuild a relationship on this side of eternity because some hurts are so deep. And there are consequences to our actions. But, but, we have been forgiven so much. And to to keep a burden on your own shoulders, to hold on to something, instead of offering forgiveness, is actually doing you as much harm as it is the other person. So, Take a step toward that. If someone has truly repented, has truly owned their mistakes, and is trying, trying to change, could you take a step towards forgiveness this Christmas? The last thing I want to say is proactive peacemaking. That's reactive, right? Something's happened, and we need to make peace. But this is where the power of God is incredible. This is where peace is not just the absence of conflict. It's the the creation of something new. It's beautiful. Let's walk with people. This Christmas future, let's look at ways we can make peace here and now and live as much in that new creation as if it were right here and right now as we can. Let's be praying for our neighbors. Let's be praying for our peers at school, even our enemies, our coworkers, our family members, every relational environment we step into. Let's be praying Let's be praying for people to know the peace that comes from knowing Jesus. And let's pray that they experience contentment and healed relationships. Let's actively be peacemakers as we walk with people as they struggle to find peace with God. As they struggle to forgive themselves or forgive others. As they, as they go through circumstances that, that don't feel like peace is anywhere to be found. Let's look for ways we can make a tangible impact. Let's give care, serve, all in the name of Jesus, our peacemaker. Some tangible ways to do that today. 
The year-end gift is going to go to our, the, the Compassion Network uh, Afghan resettlement program where we help people make a home here. And we've got volunteers who are part of our church who go uh, shopping with um, um, Afghan refugees here in our community, help them buy some basic things that they need, help them get set up and build a relationship so that we can walk with them through all, all of the, the non-peace that they've experienced that led them here. Let's give them a taste of the peace that comes from knowing Jesus. So that's what that's going toward, and it's exciting to see God use that. We also have a, a tree out, an angel tree out there that goes towards Compassion Network folks that we're in relationship with. Ability to buy uh, Christmas gifts for, for families that are, are maybe struggling this time of year to make ends meet. And we've got a lot of decorations on that tree that we need people to take so that we can bless all of the families that we've committed to. So today, there's tangible ways right now to, to proactively sow peace here in our community. What a beautiful thing. As we close, let's remember what the peace of Jesus is. It's internal. Can't be taken away from us by some external circumstance. It's eternal. The peace that we experience with Jesus goes on for eternity. We get to experience this peace by the power of the Holy Spirit, this glimpse of the perfect peace we'll experience in the new heaven and new earth. It's internal and it's eternal. But it's more than that. It's more than internal and eternal. It's something that we get to extend into the world around us. It doesn't stop here in my heart and soul. It gets sown in the world as I become a peacemaker and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Let's turn to gratitude today as we light the peace candle. Let's thank God for sending Jesus to come and be present and bring us peace with him through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Let's thank God for sending the Holy Spirit to give us real peace here and now, and let's invest here and now in that eternity that we wait for as we extend his presence, as we extend his peace by looking for how we might be peacemakers here and now. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for for who you are and what you've done in our lives. God, I pray today for anybody who's having a hard time experiencing the peace of Christ today. Lord, as we said, there are enemies to our peace. There are constant threats to us experiencing your peace. Remind us, Lord, of the peace that comes from knowing you, knowing that we're loved, knowing that we are secure in you, that, that there is a lot that this world can take away from us, but there's so much that it can't. It can't take away our relationship with you. It can't take away our knowledge that you love and care and are present with us, and it can't take away this eternity that you've promised us. And Lord, as the people waited, longing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, as they waited for you to come, we wait for you to come back to make all that is wrong right, to take this glimpse of peace that we have and make it perfect where you wipe away every tear from our eyes. We love you and we light the peace candle and give thanks for the gift of peace that comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen.